Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. This is Forbidden Speech, The Raw Truth, with your host, Christina Rivera. In this savvy broadcasting series, we delve into hot topics affecting us all. With cancel culture and big tech censoring any opposing ideas and thoughts outside of mainstream ideology, it has become more important than ever that we tell the raw truth about everything from U.S. world politics, COVID, Christianity, and everything in between. We invite all points of view to come and share their perspective honestly and respectfully. Hi, Guy Mitchell. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting's Forbidden Speech, The Raw Truth. I'm so grateful to have you here today. We're going to touch on a topic we've not really gone deep on. We've talked about sustainability with some scientists we've had on, but we've never really touched the hot, hot topic of global warming. You've written a book called Global Warming, The Great Deception, which I'm sure some listeners will be like, what do you mean? Um, but we're going to go deeper into that topic and have you explain, you know, what even brought you to write your book and some of your viewpoints uh, to hopefully broaden people's minds to look deeper into the subject and what we can actually do to help the environment uh, from each of our standpoints as humans. Uh, so welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you. So now tell me, what even prompted you to write your book? Yeah, you know, that's a funny, that's a good question and it's a funny situation. Uh, more than five years ago, I was at a dinner party in the, in the mountains of North Carolina here and <clears throat> seated at the table with a friend of mine who's a professor at a uh, North Carolina college. And during the course of the dinner conversation, I asked this fellow, I said, what are the challenges of teaching the uh, students of today at, at, at the university? Hmm. <clears throat> and he said, well, you know, the, one of the problems I have is that some of them are just not willing to accept the truth about certain subjects. And I said, well, what subject would be that? And he said, well, global warming, for instance, and that 97% of the world scientists believe man has caused global warming. Hmm. And I sat there at the table. There were eight people seated around the table, and I sat there for a minute. And uh, 
my friend said, well, gosh, surely you believe as do 97% of the world's scientists that man's caused global warming because I hadn't responded. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I really have not investigated the subject. And, and for some reason, and I, and I graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering and majored in thermodynamics and minored in heat transfer. So I knew something about the flow of heat and the physics of the subject matter and so forth. But after the dinner party, for some reason, I, I started investigating the subject. And the more I looked into it, the more I got sucked into the vortex of anthropogenic global warming. And and it began with a review of this study that was done by a former cartoonist from Australia named John Cook. And it was called Quantifying the Consensus of Anthropogenic Global Warming. Hmm. And it was... it was uh, published, I guess you'd have to say, it wasn't a peer-reviewed scientific work, but it was published and available online. And it was that work that caused President Obama to tweet the next day, 97% of the world's scientists believe man has caused global warming and it's dangerous. Wow. So, so I, can I can I just stop you there? Yeah. I mean, that all started not with a whole consensus of scientists sitting around a round table, but just a guy who's a cartoonist putting this up and then a politician just saying, oh, 97%. So it was actually, they just made up the number. Oh yeah. And I'll tell you, here's the interesting thing about this paper that was published in, uh, you know, as a quasi scientific publication on peer review. Mm -hmm. But when I read the paper, what was interesting to me is, is this fellow and, and, and some, some associates, surveyed about 11,847 climate scientists who had published a paper on climate science and Mm -hmm. asked them did they believe man caused global warming. Mm -hmm. 66% did not respond. On the most, theoretically, the the most critical subject in the history of climate scientists, 33 Mm -hmm. responded, 33%, 32% of the 33 said, we think man's called global warming. One percent said, "Well, I, I'm not. I don't know." Mm-hmm. So they divided thirty-two by thirty-three and came up with ninety-seven, and, wow. and that was sixty-six <laughs> percent of the people didn't respond to the survey. They mm-hmm. they issued a second survey mm-hmm. to try to see if they could get greater participation and better numbers, and only fourteen percent of those surveyed responded. So. That was my first evidence of the fact that the cl- claims of man-made global warming were fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Well, then I began more research and I ended up spending four and a half years and more than 4,000 man hours researching the subject, reading peer-reviewed scientific papers published in uh, scientific journals, uh, studying uh, the fields of quantum mechanics and spectroscopy and atmospheric mm-hmm. physics, because I wanted to understand the science. I didn't want to hear what a politician or an advocate of global warming or an opponent of global warming mm-hmm. had to say. I wanted to see the science. And in, in, in along in this journey, I got <clears throat> connected with a, with a scientist, uh, Dr. Roy Clark, one of the brightest guys I've ever met who had extensively 
researched and published on the subject. And uh, with Roy's tutelage, I spent about a year and a half reading peer-reviewed scientific publications, studying the subject, and uh, finally concluded that every claim in the uh, that was promoted by the proponents of global warming is fraudulent. And uh, that it all began, well, it began earlier than 1988, but it certainly began with the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change, which was formed in 1988, mm-hmm. and then moved forward from there. So it was quite an interesting journey. And, and my first effort was really to deep dive into the science and ask the question, what happens when a molecule of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere absorbs a long-wave infrared photon that's emitted by the Earth's surface mm-hmm. and uh, what the subsequent uh, heat transfer uh, issues are. And uh, because that's the, uh, that's the central thesis in man-made global warming is that it, 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 as the Earth... Your- is what you're referring to um, greenhouse? Is, is that well, what yeah, it's the concept of what's known as the greenhouse Effect. gas theory, uh-huh. which in fact is is a is a proven theory. There there are two there are two main greenhouse gases. Well, there are two major greenhouse gases. One of them is carbon dioxide, which only comprise, comprises 0.04% of the Earth's atmosphere. And the other one is water vapor, which is H2O in, in a gaseous form. And it comprises anywhere from two and a half to 4% of the atmosphere. And it's the major greenhouse gas. Carbon, both of them are what are called IR reactive, meaning they absorb infrared, long wave infrared photons, and then <clears throat> emit a portion of that heat back toward the earth, but but it's the minimus. But the point that is, is that it's water vapor and not carbon dioxide mm. that is the dominant greenhouse gas that moderates the earth's temperature. Hmm. All right, that's different than what I thought for sure. Now I'm curious, from all your research, what has been your take on why the push for the way they push global warming, the, the, the scientists or the proponents for it? And the one thing I find, if you say thing long enough, loud enough, people begin to go, oh, yeah, it's fact. All right. Uh, yeah. And no one begins to go deeper, go like, well, how did we decide this is actual fact? But even more behind that, what is the purpose behind pushing it so hard? Well, that's a that's that is. That is a great question, and actually, it's a central issue, and it all has to do with the money, Kristen. If you follow the money, you'll understand the motivation behind the proponents of the man-made global warming hypothesis, and it goes like this. Since probably 1980, there's been over a trillion dollars spent on climate change, global warming research without a thing to show for it. Uh, none of the models that have been developed by the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change, IPCC, none of those models can accurately predict the <clears throat> uh, future temperature change of the Earth. And I want to address that in a minute, uh, primarily because it's a fraudulent hypothesis. You can't prove a fraudulent hypothesis, mm-hmm. but it starts with the money. And it's about uh, all of these 
or all of the proponents of, of the global warming hypothesis are, are funded by governments and, and, and non-governmental organizations, nonprofits. And they're quite frankly, they're funded to, to, to try to prove man's called global warming. Now, the second thing about the UN IPCC is they state in their report, which shocked me as I read this, that <clears throat> their goal is to address, and several politicians from, uh, uh, you know, people like uh, John Kerry, mm -hmm. uh, Al Gore, you know, they, they state they want to address socioeconomic inequalities in the world under the auspices of climate change. What they want to do is transfer wealth from the developed nations to the developing nations. Now, a mechanism to do that, and I'm going to come back to this in a minute, is, is trading carbon credits. Uh, so, so for the UN, it's about research funding and about transferring its, its wealth transfer from for the uh, <clears throat> politicians, certain worldwide politicians, U.S. politicians, it's all about the power because they can control with uh, some of the legislation that's been proposed that they will be able to significantly change and control many aspects of your life and my life and every other American's life from the kinds of transportation we use, the kind of engines power your personal vehicle, if it's an internal combustion engine or electric car, mm -hmm. the composition of the power grid. And you folks in Texas are well familiar with what happens when you have, you're too dependent on wind and solar. Mm -hmm. And so for the politicians, it's about power. And of course, money follows power. But finally, for the uh, <clears throat> uh, global investment firms, it's all about money because in 2004, when Vice President, former Vice President Al, Al Gore and a partner from Goldman Sachs founded Generational Investment Management in London, the worldwide market for trading carbon credits was $10 billion in 2004. In 2019, it was estimated to be $210 billion. And at the end of 2021, it was estimated to be over $800 billion. So it's, it's for, for the global investment firms who are promoting this fraudulent hypothesis, it's a huge windfall. And it's, it's probably the largest commodities trading market in, in the world. Wow. You know, what's coming to mind for me, Guy, hearing this is you had mentioned the transfer from the Western culture um, nations, um, the developed nations to the undeveloped nations of wealth. Um, this seems that it would put us all kind of on on the same footing where we kind of would have above us these people of great power kind of running everything in our lives across the whole planet, in which case they would kind of be the rulers of the planet. Is that, is that what they're going for? Well, that's a, that's another good question. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to discern what the ultimate objective is, because here's the problem. Hmm. Um, were we to follow blindly all of the uh, precepts of the global warming proponents, we would do 
in my opinion, we would do irreparable harm to the economy of the United States and Western Europe. And so the enigma to me is, is that these folks run the risk of killing the goose that laid the golden egg. I mean, if you mandate that all <clears throat> power plants that are powered by fossil fuels buy, which they'd have to, because you can't change your operating practice, mm -hmm. buy carbon credits uh, to off or offsets uh, to offset the CO2 emissions you have. Of course, that, that benefits a global investment firm, but it increases the energy cost of users, not just consumers, but businesses, manufacturers in the United States and in Western Europe. And the, the, the uh, interesting thing here is that in, in the year 2000, uh, in Western Europe, they had about 200,000 megawatts, million watts of fossil fuel-powered electric generation in Europe, 200,000 megawatts. The same year in China, they had 200,000 megawatts. In 2020, Europe had reduced their capacity. They're shutting down uh, fossil fuel power plants, and their goal is to have them. They've shut down half of them in the continent, and their goal is to have them all shut down by 2030. Mm -hmm. Since 2000, the Chinese have increased their capacity of fossil fuel plants from 200,000 megawatts to a, uh, a, a million megawatts. And they have another 200,000 either under construction or planned. So anybody that thinks that the Chinese are going to ban fossil coal-fired power plants mm -hmm. are, are just naive. And, yeah. and I guess that people don't realize that our atmosphere here in the United States is connected to the atmosphere in China. China yeah, we're one Asia. planet. <laughs> and so the idea that if we, if we irreparably damage our economy, by trying to significantly reduce or eliminate fossil fuels as an energy source is just the most nonsensical. It's ludicrous. It's the most nonsensical thing uh, that I've heard of in my lifetime, really. Yeah, and what's not really being talked about a lot is that a lot of the so-called green energy uses um, generation plants that need fossil fuels. So let's say we go only to so solar or whatever, we still need to generate and use generators to operate those green power. So we're not really totally getting away from um, using fossil fuels. And and then, you know, it also concerns me, um, this movement of, of economy across the globe, the end goal is we're all going to be hurting across the globe because if the Western nations fall in the economy, generally it'll hit the whole world and, and everyone will be hurting, not just us. Well, that's exactly right. You know, there are a couple interesting points, I think. First thing to remember is that in 2021, 60% uh, mm -hmm. of the electricity generated in the United States came from fossil fuel powered plants, gas and coal. 20% came from nuclear, 20% came from alternative energy sources, 13% wind and solar, and 7% hydroelectric. So even if every person in the United States said today, 
let's eliminate fossil fuel powered power plants in Iraq, wind and solar. Mm-hmm. It would take us decades to do that. And by the way, the problem is, as you know, in Texas, you need backups for wind and solar powered generating facility because there are times when the wind doesn't blow and there are times when weather or clouds obscure the full sunlight. And so uh, you'll never be able to get rid unless you increase the nuclear capacity. Yeah. Yeah. What is your take on nuclear? I mean, I know people are scared of it because they've heard of Chernobyl and other accidents in Fukushima, but is it a cleaner way to, um, disperse energy or what is your take on that yeah i mean i think first of all it's important to understand france for example mm-hmm. has generated more than 80 percent of their electricity from nuclear power plants for the last 50 years and so and there are countries all around the globe that are not as sophisticated as the united states don't have the kind of operating regulations and controls that are operating nuclear power power plants now, the only thing, the only uh, negative aspect of a nuclear power plant, if you if you set aside the uh, the possibility of an, uh, uh, you know a problem with the uh, uh, you know losing control of the reactor, which is pretty much uh, that problem has been squared away, is what do you do with the spent fuel because it continues to be radioactive and the half life on you know spent uh, uranium enriched fuel is is thousands of years but it can be stored safely and so we ought to be looking at nuclear power um, and permitting the last nuclear power plant permitted in the united states was in 2013 and that had been been 30 years since a nuclear plant had been permitted before that time so we've got to wake up and realize that nuclear plants can be operated safely. Mm. And, you know, the, 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 the thing that uh, is a mystery to me is that we want to try, we, well, the, the particular, the Biden administration mm-hmm. wants to force a reconfiguration of our power grid and phase out fossil fuels and try to ramp up wind and solar and what you're going to end up with is a power grid that is not un, not as reliable, mm-hmm. uh, energy costs that are much higher than we have today, yeah. and mm-hmm. we're going to be at a disadvantage with other major uh, manufacturers in the world like China and India and different places. It's just uh, I, we're kind of committing political suicide. Yeah, and also I there's an elephant in the room that most people – aren't even looking at, and that is the way we run our modern life. Everything is pretty much running through modern conveniences, whether it's our computers, you go into a store, they ring you up, not in one of those old big fashion, you know. Uh, cash register. You cash register, but computers. And if we don't have a grid that's operational, the, you know, everything that we use in, oper- in order to operate our lives, including our cell phones, would go down. Um, because even the grid that operates our phones, those need power. And so I, I think what a lot of people aren't taking into effect, what we've come to be have a comfortable life and become reliable on, relied on, would 
go away tomorrow if we were to just get rid of all fossil fuel. What is your take on what people can do? It's, this is the thing that bothers me. When we regulate things, we give things to a third party, whatever organization that might be, a governmental organization, UN, whatever, that it takes the power out of our own hand and the responsibility. And then we could just say, oh, we're being good people. Look, we'll let the United Nations take care of it. What the, we'll let the government take care of it. But what are we doing as US citizens or global citizens to better the earth or you know, to take care of it, be good stewards? What is your take on what we can do personally as human beings to do a better job at this? Well, uh, I'd like to first, that, that's a great question. I'd like to, I'd like to answer that um, <clears throat> in several parts. The first part, is everyone needs to educate themselves to understand that fossil fuels and the carbon atom are not our enemy. Man has depended on the carbon atom for millennia since the first caveman made a fire and threw wood on it and released the energy stored in, by, by, by virtue of photosynthesis in the wood. So the uh, fossil fuels are not our enemy. Carbon dioxide does not cause global warming. And if you get my book, Global Warming, The Great Deception, and you read it, the first thing you'll, you'll understand is the science demonstrate. First principles of science in thermodynamics, spectroscopy, quantum mechanics, atmospheric physics, prove CO2 in the atmosphere does not cause global warming. So once you get over that hurdle, then the next thing to understand is, and this is the point that I make in my book in the subtitle, it's called The Triumph of Dollars and Politics Over Science and Why You Should Care. And here's why we should all care, is because if politicians and regulators are allowed to use pseudoscience, which was part of what was employed during the coronavirus pandemic, Mm -hmm. and is being employed now in this global warming hypothesis by the proponents of these climate scientists, if politicians and regulators are allowed to use pseudoscience to pass laws and regulations and, uh, under the facade of the common good, all of our personal liberties, well, uh, many of our personal liberties will be eroded. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. If you and I were talking today, uh, and it, well, if you and I were talking as we are today, and it was back in December of 2019, and I said, you know, Christina, within three months, the federal, state, and local governments are going to shut down the schools. They're going to close houses of worship. They're going to close certain businesses and allow others to open, but they're going to dictate the hours of operation. With respect to the houses of worship, they're going to dictate when they can operate and how many people attend. They're going to limit the number of people that can assemble in public. And so all of those actions the government's going to take, which are absolutely protected by our U.S. Constitution, you would have told me, God, there's no way. The courts would not allow any of that to happen. Well, now you have a similar situation where the government wants to tell the U.S. power grid what has to be, what the sources of energy have to be. Want to, you know, outlaw the use of fossil fuels in your home, your your businesses, manufacturing facilities. So it's the same kind of thing, and and it's uh, 
you know, it's pseudoscience and it's taking away our, our individual rights. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Now, I know some proponents listening in might be, well, if it's for the greater good of the planet, screw our, our individual rights. But what they're not understanding is that this isn't, this is greater than that. Um, them wanting to strip, as you say, follow the money. If their greater goal is to have power over dominion over the entire planet and rule over us, then it's not about protecting the planet. And it behooves everyone just to educate, um, get a copy of a book, Global Warming, The Great Deception, and see the actual science behind it all. And yeah. And, you know, how we can go forward. As you said, the first step is education. Um, so where can they get a copy of your book and find out more about you? It's on Amazon.com. It's in, uh, again, it's called Global Warming, The Great Deception. It's in an ebook form, a paperback, and we have a hardcover published and trying to get it, if we can get it linked to the Amazon site. But it's on Amazon.com. And, uh, and, the, and the book uh, gives... Uh, the reader a little bit of my background and what my interests have been over the years. And, and hopefully, again, as I say in the introduction, my first goal was to refute the science. Mm -hmm. And my second goal was to uh, prove where the uh, impetus for promoting this fraudulent hypothesis comes from. And mm -hmm. hopefully the reader will, will learn that after reading the book. Yeah. Yeah. I really do hope it broadens people's minds just to look deeper and not just take what's given off the TV into their brains. And, but I do really appreciate you coming to share your great wisdom today, Guy, on Savvy Broadcasting's Forbidden Speech. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Like, subscribe, and share this episode. To listen to more Forbidden Speech or Savvy episodes, visit SavvyBroadcasting.com. To find out about our paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at LifeUnscriptedRadio.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 